Uh, Father God, this morning we are filled with gratitude for all the many things you have done. And God, forgive us for those things that we have taken for granted. May we have the heart of Zacchaeus who wants to be near you, wants to be close to you, that we're willing to climb up a tree. We're willing to make a fool of ourselves just so we can be near you. Because all that we have this morning is just a hallelujah, a broken hallelujah. But God, you can do more with a broken hallelujah than we could ever do on our own. And so God, this morning, we know you're here and present. God, move our hearts, move us from death to life. Move us from isolation into community and move us from sorrow into joy. That is who we are in you. We love you. In your name we pray. We all say together. Amen. 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 Well, it is, uh, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, those of you who are partners with us, welcome back. Uh, and those of you who are just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. My name's Steve Cunningham. I get to be the, uh, the lead pastor here. And I'll tell you, uh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Uh, I, I love uh, this place. I love these people. I get to serve alongside of just some of the, the most serving, loving people that you will find anywhere. Uh, and and a, a proof of that is this morning, you know, we show up here at 7.30 in the morning. You know, maybe when you were kind of stumbling out of bed, there were people here uh, this morning uh, setting up for you. And the reason why is because they believe that there's something bigger than just what happens here, right? If it just all stops at this place, that's kind of meaningless. But we believe in a transformative God who works, right, and works in our lives. And so there are people that believe in that so much that they spend time setting up chairs and tarps and, and audiovisual stuff and putting together things that they don't allow me to touch because they know I would screw it up. But I'm here uh, just cheering them on along the way. And I get to work with people who serve on our shepherding team and, and our lead team uh, who are some of the most thoughtful, caring, compassionate, prayerful people that I know. And I'm so grateful for that. I get to work alongside some, uh, some of you who serve in our kids program, who, who the outpouring of Jesus just comes out of you naturally and helps kids understand who God is and how he works in their lives. And I love that. And so that's what Wellhouse uh, is about. And I'm so grateful to be able to do that. We started a series a few weeks ago together. It's called Who Am I? And it's a question that I think we should ask ourselves periodically. Uh, who am I? What is my life about? And really, the whole understanding of this series kind of comes back to the idea that you and I, uh, every day that we're alive, we are leaving our legacy behind every day. You don't get to do that neutral, right? There's not, there's not a month that goes by where you're not building into your legacy. Everything you do, everything you're a part of leads into, bleeds into the legacy that you're leaving behind. So it's an important question. Who am I? What am I, what am I doing here on earth? What's the purpose? And so we've been looking uh, at that together, and we've kind of... Uh, hit on some some serious topics, some things that we need to kind of go back to and uh, and understand fully. And the first one is this: that if your legacy is built uh, on your shoulders and with your strength, it will not outlast you. 
It just won't outlast you, right? If it's all on you, if it's all the things you're good at, it will die with you. For most of us, we want our legacy to kind of live on, right? That, that we would make some kind of impact in the world and that would carry on. But that can't be done simply on your gifts. Because when you are no more, your gifts are no more, your legacy will be no more. So we looked at, all right, what, what do we need then? And the next week we talked about uh, just relying on God to, to give us this legacy, right? As, as we looked at the life of Moses, we recognized Moses didn't want the job of leading the people out of Egypt. He didn't feel qualified. He had all kinds of reasons why he wasn't the guy, and yet God called him to do it, to trust him. But there's something in the doing process, right? It's not just about doing because doing apart from purpose, doing apart from purpose will eventually leave you lost, right? And you felt that you felt that way before because if you're anything like me, you get done at the end of the day and you're like, I did a lot. I'm tired. What did I do? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? It's like, oh man, that was a busy week. What did I do? What did I do? Right? And then you're, you're kind of, you did a lot, but, it, but uh, sometimes it goes without purpose. And so we kind of look back at our lives and we say, all right, what's the purpose behind what I'm doing? Because there's things that we do a lot of times that just don't have a purpose anymore. And we tap back into those things. And that's a part of leaving a legacy is understanding your purpose, what you're created to do. And last week we talked about this idea uh, of living in community and really the understanding that you were created to live in community. In fact, this is really interesting. In Genesis, we understand that, that as God created man, it's, it's used in this plural sense, right? That God says, let us make man in our image. So in the image of God, he created them. And this, this plural language, this, this plurality of God, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that man is created and we're created in community because we reflect community. And so we need each other. And last week we talked about this as the role of the church, right? That, that we, there's some really specific things that you can't find outside of the body of Christ. There's nobody's going to help you grow closer to God and understanding your purpose and role in God like the church can. That's just what we're created to do. Now, I'm not naive enough to know that sometimes that doesn't happen. And we probably have all been a part of a church at some point in time where it didn't, it didn't quite function that way. But that is our goal here at Wellhouse is to help belong to family, bless our community, and become more like Christ. And so as we talk about this idea of who am I, we've, we kind of walked through last week, become like a family. And today we're going to talk about blessing our community leaving a, a legacy of blessing to others. But in doing that, I want to acknowledge that we have a big hurdle to overcome in blessing other people. And that is that we have a gravitational pull towards selfishness. We just have a gravitational pull to selfishness. And here's how I know that. How many of you have children or have had children? Did you not find it interesting that, that you never had to teach them the word mine? It was like they intrinsically knew it, right? And, and that's what they were drawn to. Did you, did you ever notice that like 
when you were really tired, you brought that newborn home from, you know, the hospital, and then they would cry all night long, even though you had been up for hours, right? And you're rocking them, and you're changing them, and you're feeding them. But never once were they like, you know what? I see how exhausted you are. So tonight, you're getting a night off, and I'm just going to sleep. <laughs> that didn't happen to you either, right? <laughs> Because inherently, what we do is we think about our needs and our wants first. And hopefully, if we have good parents and we're surrounded in kind of a good culture, it helps refine the selfishness out of us. But I think there is a gravitational pull inside of us to be selfish, to think about us first. And that's why, listen, that's why when you, you know, you pull up to a drive-thru and you make your order and you specifically ask like no pickles or, you know, you're like, I want no salt on the fry, whatever. And then they give it to you and you pull away. And you're like, What? I told you, right? And all of a sudden, the whole rest of your day is ruined because you didn't get what you wanted. Because we have a gravitational pull to selfishness. So when I say things like, listen, one of the things that if, if we're going to leave a legacy behind is that we have to understand that a part of that is just blessing other people. We have to acknowledge that, first of all, that goes whether or not we like to say, like, I love to give, I love to serve, right? Yeah, but there's something inside of you that continually pulls you back towards a selfishness. And so we have to address that. We have to identify with that. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn on over to, uh-oh, I left my phone over there. Uh, hold on just a second. Jason, could you grab that black bag? Could you grab that one? There you go. Failure number two today. Thank you. That's right. I'm going to give you that right back. Perfect. There we go. This morning, as I grabbed everything, I recognized that I left my, uh, I left my notes, my scripture in, uh, at home. And uh, if you know me well, then you know I'm blind. So I'm going to do this off of my phone today, which will be, I was teasing Jason because he was laughing at how blind I am. And he was like, the other day, I saw you with your glasses off and you were like, you had something like right up on your eye. And I was like, it's funny to laugh at the blind guy, isn't it? I mean, it's... <laughs> We have feelings too. Um, <clears throat> we, we can't see them, but we have them. So um, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife Sarai and his, and his nephew Lot and the possessions they accumulated and all the people they acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and then they arrived there. So let's recap this story really quick. Out of nowhere, God calls this guy named Abram, and he says, here, this is what I'd love for you to do. Everything you know, everything that makes you comfortable, everything that, that, that is uh, familiar to you, leave it, and then go somewhere that I will eventually tell you, but I'm not telling you now. 
Now, if, if, if God, you know, t- tomorrow you wake up and he's like, all right, listen, I know you, you got a job and you're comfortable, but we're going to leave all that. Oh, and your family, and you're going to set off to somewhere else, uh, and I'll take care. How many of you would be like, sweet, count me in, right? Most of us would be like, well, I have some reservations about what you're asking me to do. But here's what's interesting I found. I don't know, how many of you grew up going to church and you learned those church songs with all the hand signs, right? And it's, it's like gang signs for Christians, you know what I mean? It's kind of, <laughs> right? We all know. It's like the hand jive, but bad, right? I mean, it's not good. Um, there's a song, Father Abraham, Right? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons of Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. And then you do the left arm, right? It was like a version of the hokey pokey. But before Father Abraham was Father Abraham, he was Abram. And to become Father Abraham, he had to leave something behind. See, Father Abraham doesn't become Father Abraham unless he's willing to leave some things behind. The comfortability, the customs, the familiarity, if he doesn't leave that, it's a stumbling block to the legacy that he's going to leave behind. It's a stumbling block to really essentially blessing others, creating a legacy. Listen, creating a legacy of blessing others requires that I'm willing to give up Me for we. And this is huge. This is the first thing that Abram has to acknowledge in his story is that in order for God to use me in great ways that I don't really even fully understand, I have to be willing to sacrifice some of my own comfortability, some of my own familiarity, some of the things that I would prefer to do in order to be a blessing to other people. See, Abraham's story looks way different if God says, listen, I want you to leave your family, your father's household, the land that you're living in. I want you to go to a place that I'm going to tell you eventually. And Abraham says, I don't think so. This story and the rest of everything that follows looks entirely different, doesn't it? Because what do we find out later on from the story of Abraham? Well, Jesus is a descendant of the lineage of Abraham. That we learn that three of the the biggest religious uh, uh, circles in the world, the, the beliefs, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, all recognize Father Abraham. It's a legacy that was left behind because he was willing to leave behind some things in order to be a blessing to other people. And even God points this out. He says, listen, you leave it and I will bless you. You, you, you be willing to sacrifice some prefer- and I will bless you. God tells Abram that he'll be blessed by God. He's going to have a, a great name. He'll be made into a great nation, but the blessing is a conduit to all people. This isn't just for Abram to to kind of store up on his own, right? It's for everybody. God doesn't expect Abraham to simply soak in all of the blessings for himself. When I was growing up, we watched this show, 
Uh, and for some of you, you're going to be like, I'm, I'm too young for that. And others of you, you'll be too old. But there's going to be, I think I'm going to hit with a, a margin, all right? There was a show called DuckTales. And, and, there was, and there was a guy, right? I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he, he had all the money. He had like a big money pit. Scrooge McDuck, yes. And you remember at the beginning of that show, they had the montage, and he would jump off the diving board into his pile of money and kind of swim around. And as silly as that kind of analogy is, I wonder if that's true for us and the blessings that we have. Like, I wonder if, if we kind of just sat across the table at a local coffee shop and we just kind of walked through the blessings of your life and you would kind of look like Moses in this scenario. Like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. But then we, we kind of dial back to, all right, here's the ways in which God has blessed you. I wonder if it's just like you're just swimming in it and you don't recognize it. And God says, listen. I gave you that stuff, not for you to just soak in it, not for you to just kind of roll around it and enjoy it for yourself. It was a conduit to bless everybody else. And sometimes I think that God gives us those things. It's kind of like the parable of talents. You remember Jesus talks about the parable of talents? And it's the one guy who says, you know what? I, I appreciate this, but I don't necessarily want to use it, so I'm just going to bury it. And Jesus says, even the thing you have will be taken away from you when you don't use it. There's a, there's a reason why God gives us the blessings that he gives us. And it's to be a conduit to the world around us, to leave a legacy of blessing others. If you have your Bible, turn over to Romans. This is New, uh, New Testament. And, uh, and this, if you know me very well, this is like my, one of my favorite passages in, in the whole Bible. It's Romans chapter 12. I just think there's so much here, and I can't even get into all of it today, but Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We were in Genesis 12. Now we turn over to Romans chapter 12. This is what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is so hard to do because in the olden days, they would sacrifice something, and when you sacrifice it, it's dead, right? You only have to do it one time. And what Paul says, all right, you, you understand what it means to sacrifice, right? Well, how about if you're a living sacrifice? That every day you wake up, you say, all right, I'm going to die to myself and the things that I want. I'm going to live for God today. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Like sometimes we go to church and it's like, all right, I'm going to go worship. And God says, don't cheapen that. <laughs> Real worship looks like I wake up and I say, all right, God, you use me in any way you want to. And the ways that you bless me, I'll bless other people. So my time, my energy, my resources, like you gave them to me to give to other people. So that's what I'm going to do even when I don't want to. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I read this for a long time growing up, and I was like, the pattern of this world is such an interesting phrase. And I thought, man, what is the pattern of the world? And I remember our, our oldest, Zeta, 
when she went to preschool, uh, the one week they were studying patterns, and there's something called an A-B pattern, and you'll recognize it's like blue, green, blue, green, blue, green, and all right, so I see it. It's an A-B pattern, and so all the way home, she was like, A-B patterns, and she was pointing them out. There's an A-B pattern, and there's an A-B pattern, and there's an A-B pattern, so I'm thinking, okay, what is the pattern of this world? And then I recognize that as Paul continued on, see, he says, listen, you have to every day die to self. And just a little bit, he's going to talk about becoming a part of the body. So you can't become a part of the body unless you're willing to die to yourself. See, the pattern of this world isn't just sin. That's an easy, like, that's the, that's the youth group answer, right? Like, every answer is like, Jesus, right? And sin. Paul would say, the pattern of this world is having it your way. Like everything has to cater to you and how you like it, how you want it. And until you recognize the pattern of this world in you and you transform your mind to say, no, 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 no. I, I know how I want it, but that's maybe not how God wants it. Then you're never going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It will, never, it will never take root in you fully until you're willing to set that aside. And then he says this. Check this out. Keep reading on here. He says, for the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Isn't that what selfishness does? It's like, well, my way's best. My thought's best. My preference is best, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and though these members don't have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and we belong to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to it, each of us. And here's what's great about this is that some of us, we might look at like somebody like a, a pastor or somebody on the shepherding team or maybe somebody who teaches or whatever, and we say, listen, I would love to do that, but I just, that's just not my gifting. But what I would tell you is, is that through Christ, you have been given a unique gift of talents and, and gifts. You, you, that's, that's something that you have in Christ. He has given something specifically to you that's for you and you alone to use. So maybe sometimes you look at me, you're like, I don't want this gift, right? Uh, but it's the gift that God has given you. And it's a gift that, that's useful in the body of Christ. And he continues on in talking about these gifts. This is what he says uh, in verse 6. So we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's a gift of encouragement, some of you are awesome encouragers. And he says, then encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, some of you are awesome at that, then be merciful. What I love about this, I don't know if, you, if you've looked at this list before, but did you notice that each one of them is intrinsically tied to somebody else? Like sometimes we can show mercy to ourselves, but most of the time we're 
showing mercy to somebody else who needs it, right? I mean, sometimes we can encourage ourselves. I have to do that every day when I get out of bed. Like, all right, we can do this today. <laughs> You're there too. But most of the time, the encouragement happens with somebody else. The teaching happens with somebody else, right? These gifts are to bless other people. That's what God has given you a gift for. And let me tell you, if you're not using the gift that God has given you to bless somebody else, you're missing out. You're just missing out because there's so much joy in blessing other people. Last week, we saw this video because of our birthday, and we got to hear from uh, Angie Deal, who works with Goodlettsville Middle School, and she talked on and on and on about some of the ways that you have served that community, and it was through textbooks, and it was through resetting lockers, which sounds so lame, but was such a huge blessing, and it was painting, right? And some of you are good painters, and some of you are like me, right? And then <laughs> some, of you, some of you have gifts of cleaning and organizing, and you blessed that community so well. I got this card a few weeks ago. I have to tell you, for the last year and four months, year and three months now, we've been going every morning or every Thursday morning to Cracker Barrel, 7.30 to 9 a.m. Uh, and we have had the same waitress pretty much the entire time. Uh, her name is Tammy. Some of you have known her. You met her. And uh, so we blessed Tammy this year. Uh, around Christmas time with our hope for the holidays. And we really didn't know necessarily why. We just felt like, all right, God wanted us to, to bless her. And uh, so she wrote us a card the next week. And she said, thank you so much for your generosity. I appreciate you all so much. We had to close Cracker Barrel on, on Monday, the day after Christmas, because all the pipes bursted here at Cracker Barrel. And due to the low temperature, you remember the low temperature? And some of you had the same thing. She said, I wasn't sure what we were going to do with the lost wages, but the Lord always makes a way. I will never forget how good you've been to me. I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to care for you all every Thursday. Every Thursday, I'm telling you, if you've never been there, now we have a group of waitresses who come and say, hey, listen, I have a prayer request. Would you guys pray for that? And so we know Peg. She's one of the servers there. And she has prayer requests for us. We know Christy, she lost her daughter a few months ago. We pray with her every week. See, it's, it's not just showing up to a place and, and, and being surrounded by food. Say, all right, give me more food, more syrup, more coffee. It's understanding that we have a bigger blessing in this role. See, some of you, listen, one of the ways you bless is you come here every Sunday morning and you check in, right? And, and you, you uh, check in at Wellhouse and you, you throw up the hashtag uh, uh, place for good. And what we do, what Wellhouse does is, is we give back with that to a place called Mi Esperanza. Mi Esperanza is called is My Hope in Spanish. And what that does, that organization does is it reaches out to uh, young women in the community, teaches them trades, skills that they can live a life on their own and support their family on their own so they don't have to sell themselves on the street. And so we ask you every Sunday, check in, right? And you've done that. To this date, we've given almost $1,300 to Mi Esperanza. And we have a check today for another $534.50 because of you. And I don't say that to brag. I'm just saying that God uses, listen, God uses a little bit of what you do and the willingness that you have 
to serve other people. So your gifts are meant to bless others. And sometimes it seems like such small ways, but I'm telling you, those small things add up and make a difference. I love this story. Maybe you've heard it before, but it goes like this. There's a little girl who stood near a small church from where she had been turned away because it was too crowded. And I can't go to Sunday school. She sobbed to the pastor as he walked by. And seeing her shabby, unkept appearance, the pastor guessed the reason why it was too crowded. And so he took her by the hand and he took her inside and he found a place for her to sit at Sunday school class. The child was so happy to find that they had room for her. She went to bed thinking that night of all the other children who had no place to worship or learn about Jesus. So two years later, this child lays dead on one of the poor tenant buildings. They found her body and the parents called for the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to handle the final arrangements. As her body was moved, a worn and crumpled um, red purse was found that seemed to be rummaged out of a trash dump. But inside was found 57 cents and a note scribbled in the child's handwriting. And it said, this is to help build the little church bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved all she had, 57 cents. And it was an offering of love. The pastor tearfully read the note. He knew what he needed to do. He carried the note, the cracked red purse, the 57 cents in front of the church. And he told the story of this little girl. And he challenged everybody to, to really begin to do the work that God had called them to do to continue to build onto the kingdom. And that story of this little girl doesn't end there. The newspaper heard of what they were doing. They, they published this story of the girl, and a, a wealthy realtor in the area offered them a parcel of land worth thousands. And they told the church, said that they couldn't pay that much. He, he sold it to them for 57 cents. The church... Members came together and made donations. Checks came in from all over. And within five years, that little girl's gift of 57 cents turned into $250,000, which at the turn of the century was a huge sum of money. Her unselfish love had paid large dividends. So the next time you're in Philadelphia, look up the Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of over 3,000. And then be sure to visit Temple University, where thousands of students are educated and there's room for everybody. Have a look, too, at the Good Samaritan Hospital, the Sunday school building that houses hundreds of children, built that so no child in the area would be left outside a Sunday school. See... A lot of times we look around and we say, I don't have the right gift, right? But sometimes it's just using the gift that you have in order to bless others around you. That's what it's truly about. When we look at the blessings that we have, I want you to look back at the story of 
of Abram and think to yourself, all right, what would have happened that day if he said, all right, I want you to leave everything? And he's like, I don't have to pray about that one. I have to discern, right? That's the key word of I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to make light of discerning. It's good. Sometimes you already know what your heart is set against. Maybe God is blessing you for something else. See, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of choosing your, to use your gift for others. You just have no idea. It's like the 57 cents that really changed a community. What if you decided to leave a legacy of just leaving your blessings behind, whatever it is, and allow God to do what only God can do? What if you determined today, all right, listen, I'm just going to be all out. Every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, all right, God, make, my, make me a living sacrifice. I don't want to conform any longer to the pattern of me. I want to be used by you every day. I want to go to bed at the end of the night saying, every blessing you've given me, I've turned back to you. Today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and truly transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who's supreme and sufficient, who's before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue in worship today?